1: To Ordinary to Badass, episode number 62. In this episode, we will be talking with Jocelyn Manzanares. Jocelyn is the owner of a business called Musically Minded. She teaches kids from birth to five years old music. Or sometimes she teaches parents how to teach their kids or teachers how they can incorporate music into their classroom. Jocelyn and I talk about remembering your why how she pivoted during the coronavirus, and how you can identify your fear to get past it. Stay tuned because I know you're going to love this episode. But first, I got to know, have you left a review on iTunes yet? It is so important for you to leave a review on iTunes so that people just like you can find this show and listen to it. So head on over to iTunes, leave a review, and screenshot it and send it to me at Ordinary to Badass on Instagram. Thank you so much. And now to the episode. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I'm glad you're here. Today's guest is Jocelyn Manzanares. Jocelyn, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show. I'm super excited to be here. So first off, before we go any further, I've got to ask you, do you consider yourself to be ordinary or badass? Oh man, full badass. (laughs) Have you always felt that way? Probably
2: not. You know, looking back, I probably didn't see myself that way, but, um, you know, growing up being the little sister and, um, you know, always getting seconds on everything and my, my sister always got to do everything cool and. I was always kind of left to to pick up the slack and do really all the basic tasks at my dad's office, like shredding paper. And he would she would get to write all the exciting legal information. And not me, I was just shredding paper. Um, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay because I'm glad that I had that experience because I know what it's like to be ordinary and I'm not okay with that.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. I love how you just own it. <laughs> so was there... Any point that was kind of a changing point for you, or something that helped you realize, like, "Oh, I'm kind of badass."
2: You know. So let me tell you about my journey. Okay. Yeah. So actually, I'm a music teacher, and I got my start as an elementary music teacher. So you know, just picture an an elementary music teacher. Okay. <laughs> um, I have to say, there's a lot of ordinary music teachers out there. And you know, I didn't really feel great in that space. It was, um, well, I got to admit it. It's kind of a boring job. (laughs) So I, I taught, my first year was in Port Orchard, Washington, most difficult year of my life. I was like the worst teacher. And I don't know if the kids knew it or not, but I felt like a total flop. Even though I'd been to college, And you know, I'd studied and learned how to play all these different instruments. I was, I had no practical application because they don't really teach that in um when you're becoming a music teacher. They teach you theories and whatnot. And that really didn't help with the um the five, five foot ten, sixth grade girl that would walk into my class and (laughs) you know, tell me how things were. And (laughs) I'm As you, you can't see me, but um, I'm, I'm short. And so it was pretty quick that I was pretty intimidated. So that was a pretty tough year. Went on um, to move on to a really a much better job where I taught kindergarten through third grade. And I, I love that. I mean, a lot better. I definitely felt really like I was more in my space. The kids were about my height or a little smaller. They would hug me. And um, so I knew I was in my right place but I still was a little bit bored. And so I decided after three years that I was going to start a business and I was just gonna, you know, I was going to actually first just take a year off and get my master's. And then I realized, you know what? I think I'm into early childhood. I think I like this stuff. So I got into birth through five and I started a business called musically minded. And I started with six babies and their moms in, um, the basement of Barrett, like probably one of the oldest buildings in Maple Valley, Washington. And it was so much fun. I realized I love this stuff. And so I, I grew the business and um, you can definitely ask me questions about that journey. So um, I'll kind of just leave it there and you can go ahead and ask me anything, but that was kind of my journey where I kind of took that risk I was in that, you know, comfy, cushy job. I mean, it was so sweet. Nobody really kept track of me. I was the music teacher as long as I was there so they could go have their planning time. They didn't care, but I was mediocre. I knew I could be better. And so by leaving it all behind and taking that risk, it really set off what's now a
1: 17-year journey
2: as a a small business owner.
1: So... Did you know anything about business before you decided to make the leap?
2: <laughs> That's funny. Because, <So, laughs> no, I knew nothing, nothing about business. But the funny thing was, I always wanted to wear um, business suits. And across from the music building, um, in the, at the university of Montana, where I went to school was the business building. And I just would look over at that business building. And a few times I'd say to my parents, I'm quitting music and I'm going to be a business major. And they'd say to me, Oh gosh, you don't want to do that. And so (laughs) I was one of those people. I followed what my parents said. And so I never did it. So it was just so funny that I would start a business. So, when I first started the business, my husband um, he he'd always you know from right as graduated right when he graduated from college he you know got into sales and he, so that was kind of a business world and so I'm over here, you know i've got these six babies, and then i and then I get a child care center, I start going to the child care center and teaching music and a couple of months into it, he says, um, I know you're having a lot of fun, but Like, they haven't paid you. Your invoices haven't been paid in months. And I was like, what? Invoices? I don't even know what that is. (laughs) So I realized that I had to probably learn about a few business things if I was going to stay in business. And so I'm going to tell you that my husband was, he literally gave me, I feel like he gave me like an MBA over the next few years. And it was fun because he has just a sort of a, a lot of natural business skills. He he graduated in psychology. Um so you
1: know <laughs> it's, it's funny how that business. turns out.
2: <laughs> yeah. But he, you know, he just had sort of a natural knack for it, which I didn't at first even think I did. So it was so hard. Like the first couple of years of the business was so hard. And I mean, he would get so frustrated with me with some of the stupid mistakes I would make. I would like, I mean, that invoicing was one was probably one of the biggest ones. But I mean, I did not even know how to run a business at all. And then um, what was funny was he saw me having so much fun running my business, which was really playing with kids, (laughs) um, that he, after we had our first daughter, Macy, Decided, what am I doing selling computers? He was doing great. He was at, like at the top of the company, doing so well. He said, This is not what life's about. And so he left his job and, and took care of our daughter for a year, actually a couple of years. But during that time, I just want to say that anybody out there who is a badass and a mom or on their way to badass and they have the word mom attached. Dude, it is serious business and finding ways to like, um, parent with this other person that you've decided to have kids with is so hard, so hard because you each come with so many different, um, you know, beliefs and then they're just pushed against each other. So we're raising a kid, we're raising a business. We're trying to grow this business. They're both in their infancy. And we're learning how to be married and be in business together. Because at that point, when he left uh, selling computers, he kind of became my bookkeeper, you know, helping with that invoice that wasn't getting paid. (laughs) So it was, it was really, really
1: hard. Yeah. those, Those first few years. But what I think is cool about that story is you just leapt you took a leap and did what you thought was right for you. And then your husband, it like intrigued him. And he's like, wait, what am I doing? But sometimes that happens. It's like you are the one to just kind of follow your dream. And then other people are like, wait a minute, I don't want to do what I'm doing. So it's inspiring to people. And I think that's cool. Yeah. And you know, what was
2: funny. was after Eric did that um, worked with me for a couple of years and was taking care of Macy he discovered that he wanted to try something new. And at that point, my business was at a place where I could support us. And so he took the leap of faith and became a financial advisor. It would have never been anything that he would have thought of, but it now it, he was able to, again, see what I did. And then he found something he was interested in, and he went for it. And now he's doing he's doing great in that. But I think when he looks back, it's like, what, how can I help people? And the computers was just not helping people. And I think that's a driving force in so much of this is to find your purpose, find why you are here, and then how can you make money doing it? Yeah. And so that's really what i just tried to keep in mind. And now he has gone and done that too, and just empowering other people to recognize you find something you love and you find a way to get paid for it.
1: Totally. And maybe kind of unbeknownst to you in the beginning, like you just helping people, even though you weren't billing them or sending them the invoices, but then you just provided quality, you know, you were helping them out and not like obsessed with the money. And so maybe that like kept people around long-term.
2: Well, and I think that
1: that, you know, that's still a balance I work on
2: is, is sometimes I'll get really hooked on the money and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to make some more money. I got to make more money. And I notice as soon as I take the focus off that and I put the focus back on how can I serve people, the money comes and I'm not stressed. It's a really weird thing that happens to me. I don't know if it happens to other
1: people. But I also think it's a weird dynamic for women. Like money can definitely be a weird dynamic or you're like, oh, I don't want to charge too much, but then you might also be charging what you're worth, you know? So I think it can always like be a struggle or something you have to pay attention to yes absolutely so back when you were a teacher and you first started um, and you felt like you were the worst teacher or you said a flop in your words what would you tell another teacher who's feeling that way right now she's a couple years in and just feeling like she's a flop or a failure
2: yeah a couple things Number one, remember why you got into this profession in the first place. I think that's, that's, I believe, a place where you can find endless energy. And when you remember your why, your purpose for why you're doing it, it can fuel you because it's so easy to get down on all of the things that are negative. Oh, the children are misbehaving, The parents are rude. Um, My administrator never helps me out. All of those things. But if if we remember why we're doing what we're doing, then we start to see how can we do it better. So I would recommend, and what really got me through that first year, was to seek out other people who have been there, who have, they're in the trenches. And what can you learn from them? Because there's no reason to reinvent this wheel people have done things and they've found ways to make it work they and, and that's what i do now is i i teach teachers how to bring music into their classroom because i know what it feels like i know what it's like to to hate sundays because you know monday's coming right. and you know because of that i feel like i'm in a place where i can really feel what people have experienced. I can feel that pain. My niece right now is in her first year teaching and she's struggling with classroom management. And I'm gonna tell you that that's the pivotal piece to being a great teacher is to be able to be an amazing person at mastering a group of people. And so for me, I know that I can feel her pain and I have to put myself there. And then when I do, I bring in all of the things that I've learned along the way that I would have told that first year teacher, Jocelyn. I would have told her this. And so now I get to tell other people like my niece, Katie, and and then she'll have breakthroughs. And it's, I mean, for me, it's just so exciting to yeah. know that I'm helping somebody um you know, go on the super highway to progressing their skills. They don't have to linger in this pain because there's people out there who can help you. So seek out um, a mentor teacher, somebody, not somebody who knows everything because they're never fun. You know, I mean, they know everything and they've tried it all. And I don't know, like for me, that's a turnoff. Instead, like I want somebody who's also continuing to grow. You know, like when you get a coach who also has a coach, I love that.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. No, because if you're, if you know everything and you're not going to grow anymore, it's like, what do you have to offer? I mean, you're going to stunt yourself at some point.
2: Yeah. So they're probably not a match.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. So what's one thing that either a teacher or a mom can do to bring music into their kid's life? Like kids that are birth to five years old.
0: Yeah.
2: You know what you do? have fun with it turn on music that you love and dance and sing along and the reason I think one of the coolest things with music is it's a a connector it's a way for adults and kids to spend time together think of it as that vehicle um you know as a parent not everybody is an early childhood specialist Not everybody has gone to school and understood, you know, child development and how to interact with kids. I always think, gosh, I wish there were a class that we could all have taken before we have kids, but there isn't. There's not even, we don't even need a license or a certificate. (laughs) So what do you do with these kids? If you're, you know, an engineer at Boeing, um, go to the music. It is a connector and it's, it's everywhere around the world. It's a way that we can socialize. We can um, you know, build relationships, children can learn language, but the best thing is is that you 're having fun and you 're spending time with your child and when you do that no matter the age whether they 're birth, you know they 've just been born they 're five years old or they 're fifty five years old. When you have those moments and you connect with somebody and you use music as that bridge, it can open up so many doors and it, and it brings that emotional connection because music naturally increases, you know, they are endorphins that release of serotonin, all these feel good chemicals that are free to us. And everybody wants to feel good. And to just to be able to find a musical way to bring that into your lives. So I just say, you love Bob Marley, you turn on Bob Marley. You love Zach Brown, turn on Zach Brown. You don't need to go do the Wiggles or you know, sing Baby Shark for the 50th time. <laughs> but the, the biggest thing is really just finding ways to interact with your child using music that you can share that you get excited about and they'll feel that excitement.
1: Yes, I think that's so important. Um, I know how I used to be, is I'd be like, well, I can't sing or I can't dance. Um, and I would let that stop me. What, do you, what would you suggest for those type of people? Or what is something that you could do to like get out of your own shell a little bit and you know, just enjoy the music? Yeah, well, first
2: off, let's recognize that we live in a society that tells us we either belong on the stage or we belong in the audience. And that's important for us to just, let's just put that out on the table. 400 years ago, there was something that became known as concert halls. And so before that time, we didn't have this division. We didn't have listeners and performers. Everybody performed. It wasn't even something that you judged, but then continued over the years that we really had that division and people made that decision pretty early on. And sometimes, Parents made that decision for kids, which side they were going to be on, the listeners or the performers. So now here we are 400 years later, and the performers are, you know, we see them on TV, we hear them on the radio. And what do we do? We judged ourselves against them. But the thing is, we're not in that same category. And we can still appreciate music and produce music, but with a different set of rules, we don't need to judge it of, you know, am I in tune? Am I, um, am I projecting? How's my sound? All of these things we can leave to, to the professionals, but instead we can take all of the amazing gifts that music can give us as just a novice. So think in terms of, you know, we've got NASCAR. NASCAR drivers out there—they're amazing drivers. They spend, you know, years perfecting their art. But you know, it's weird because how come we all still are are okay to drive a car? I mean, you get out of the car and be like, you judge your driving. Oh, I stopped at that stop sign so like a badass. Or you know, I went around that car and I was going 90. I'm such a sweet driver. No, you right. don't even think. It is what it is. So what if you were able to pull back and not judge? your musical abilities, and instead be able to just find all the riches in it. You know, it's a stress reliever to be able to just sing in the shower. It's an opportunity to just relax and and have fun and and enjoy the sounds of different songs, sing along to your favorite songs, have them trigger memories. Maybe when you were back in high school, what it it was like, kind of get you out of maybe a funk if you're feeling it. So sing it out. Um, you know, if you know how to play the piano a little bit, play a little bit that 's actually a skill. Um, I teach a ukulele class to adults, and it 's so much fun to hear their progression because a lot of them come in with that limiting belief i can 't i 'm mm-hmm. not musical, and I say to them, "This is going to be a skill if you want to work at it, you want to practice you 're going to get there, and you know you're going to be able to play three chords in four weeks and all these songs and and the first week they're like there's no way by the four weeks they're blown away with what they can do so don't don't set you know those those um i guess you know the way that we make things not be able we can't do certain things because we don't we have all these i don't know limiting beliefs i guess that's the only way i can say um so get out of your comfort zone and try maybe that is something that you've always wanted to try to learn an instrument don't let, I'm not musical, I can't, I'm too old, my hands are too big, all of these things stand in your way, because there's this whole other world out there waiting for you to discover.
1: Yeah, I really loved your race car analogy. Um, (laughs) I just think that that made a lot of sense. And yeah, people are too busy comparing themselves to the professionals, as opposed to, okay, just have fun. You know, like you said, you have your own set of rules. So Oh, to beers. You don't have to be a race car driver. Just get in the car and drive. You're a badass. You can figure it out as you go. That's um, right. So Jocelyn, let's pivot a little bit and talk about some of your wins. Okay. Can you share with us something that you're most proud of accomplishing?
2: I am most proud of accomplishing keeping a business going for as long as I have. And sometimes I forget about that. I forget that You know, the old, and I I guess it's true that so many businesses fail in the first couple years. And I guess I didn't even have that as an option. I didn't even think of that as an option. I was just going for it. And so I slowly grew until I grew a team of seven teachers, and we would see over 1,500 kids a week in and around Seattle. That meant that I was impacting all of those kids with my vision through these teachers who were going out with message, but I would forget that. And then when I would kind of sometimes maybe explain to somebody what I did, I'd be like, oh my goodness, like I I built this, I did this. So that's been, that's been a huge accomplishment. Um, This, this month right now is, is the 17th year um, in business. And I can't believe it. I'm
1: 20 years old, so I don't know how that <laughs> No, that's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. That's exciting. Um, what is something that most people don't know about what it took to accomplish that?
2: Being willing to hear no. Being willing to have employees who, well, first off, just having an employee. That was a big piece for me because, you know, I was teaching all the classes. I was then home doing all the back end things. And Eric would say to me, let's hire someone. And I'm like, no, it's the Jocelyn Show. Like I named it Musically Minded because I, because even I think at the beginning, you know, Eric was like, well, you don't want to have it be Jocelyn's music. Cause what if you want to bring somebody else on? Um, so I was glad that it had a name that didn't have my name in it, but um, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know. They're not going to be very good. And I, you know, these people are going to be, you know they're going to be not upset because it's not who they hired. And, and so we hired our first teacher and guess what? (laughs) He was awful. (laughs) He was awful. And um, it was like, Oh my goodness. I did see what it was like though, to be able to not have to go teach every day. And so that gave me a little bit of sense of, okay, if I, if I could, you know, source some of these classes, it'd be pretty awesome. So we let him go. And then the next teacher that I hired was fantastic. She was amazing. And she grew with us and uh, we grew the business. I filled her schedule. I filled my schedule and it was what I needed. Like I needed to see that you really actually can hire somebody and they, it can work out. So I needed that to have that, and then along the way, I look back now, and I mean, I've had a couple not very good teachers, but for the most part, I've been really blessed to have really awesome people who, um, you know, the schools that we will go out to really embrace and their they're understanding that it's not always going to be Jocelyn. And if we switch out a teacher, they trust me that I'm going to bring in somebody else. So, you know, that that was definitely big.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, 17 years in business is a long time. And what is it that you attribute to your success to hanging on this long and doing so well? Yeah.
2: And and I do want to make a point. I would love for you to ask me about what happened um, in March. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. All right. So what's attributed to my success is to continue to follow up with my, the schools that we go to just constantly checking in making sure everything is okay, being willing to hear the things that they want changed and 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 like stepping up and changing things. If a teacher is not working, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to observe that teacher and I'm going to work with that teacher to make sure that we're always bringing quality to the classroom. and And just being okay, you know, I mean, I've lost schools. I've lost schools because they lost their funding or they decided that they wanted to have an art class. And just being able to not take it so personally and just be like, all right, it's okay. Because there's always a plan and there's always a reason things work out the way that they do. And in that moment, it's so easy to get down and upset and feel like it's the end of the road. But I always, I always believe that, you know, one door closes and another door opens and I have to trust the process. I have to trust that there is a plan and I continue to be taken care of and um, taken one one day at a time, just
1: out there doing my best. And do you think that that kind of came with experience a little bit or or have you been that way since the beginning?
2: No. Oh, no, no. no. (laughs) that came with experience. I mean, I remember the the first couple calls I got, you know, and maybe somebody's the school's going to stop doing music or, you know, somebody doesn't like a teacher and I was devastated. Oh my goodness. I like I couldn't even handle it. Like I couldn't even see any other options. My emotional brain took over and my, you know, my planning brain was nowhere in sight. And so for me now, I'm able to calm down, you know, breathe, relax. And that's just important because I think sometimes when you're upset, you can make some emotional decisions that later you'll regret. And so just being able to like, all right, step back, calm down. Obstacles are opportunities. And that was for me a real, a real important quote. And I read it every day. Obstacles are opportunities. And it's really, it's really helped because I recognize it. I can get through anything.
1: Yes. And honestly, I think that's part of the badass journey. It's hitting all these obstacles and not sitting there and beating yourself up and calling yourself stupid and just getting so upset that you can't go on or you're just like, eh, I quit. I suck at this. No, it's figuring it out you know, either recognizing the opportunity. Sometimes it's hard in the moment, (laughs) but just knowing that you'll figure out a way to pivot and get through it. Yeah. Um, so kind of on that note, I think maybe you pivoted in March. Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: I do. I'm still pivoting, but (laughs) so here I am, you know, 16, 16, years at that point in business and this crazy COVID thing. I hate that word.
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm <with> um, you.
2: <laughs> I can't wait for it to go away. Um, Me too. I started, you know, schools closed or they didn't allow outsiders in. So all of a sudden I went from rocking my business and actually I was set up for the biggest year yet. I had summer camps planned. I had this amazing program I was bringing in. I had more schools than I'd ever imagined. Teachers were doing incredible. I mean, I was at the top until I wasn't. And so it was interesting because classes ended probably, you know, the third week in March and I I remember I I probably had a day or two where I'm like, what the heck am I gonna do? And then I remembered that those kids are still out there. They still need me. And so I got on Facebook and I started to do little live music classes and I would do one a week. And I found that it brought me joy. It didn't bring me money, but it brought me joy and it kept me off the news. But then, you know, a couple of weeks into it, I'm like, I got to figure out a way to monetize this because I mean, there was no unemployment at that point for, for, small business owners, there was nothing. So I had to figure out what to do. And so I started weekly classes, so weekly music classes on, on zoom and parents would sign their kids up. And it was actually even better because Facebook lives are hard because you can't see anybody out there. So you don't know what their reactions are. And so then with the Zooms, it's like, I can see these kids. They're in their house. They're shaking their shakers. They're getting out their ukuleles. And it was like, I can still do this. I can still reach these kids. I can bring these families joy and they're bringing me joy. So I did that. And then at the same time, I decided, what am I going to do for teachers? Because I have been starting to build this group, this Facebook group, doing these teacher trainings. And I knew that I needed to do something for that community as well. And so I finally had the time to create a ukulele class. And so I um, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I know enough. And, um, you know, I think Amy Porterfield says, you just need to know 10% more than your people. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And so I was like, okay, well, I have that. So I had my three chords, figured out my songs. and. I launched my very first, yes, you can play the ukulele class. And, you know, I was a little bit worried, like, would people people be able to afford it? But what happened was it really just worked out because there were so many people were, who were home. And I kind of got in with, hey, remember how you always wanted to learn to play an instrument? Like, what's your excuse? Time's on your side. And I I had 80 people sign up for the class. Oh, wow. And one of them was my dad, That's awesome. which was so much fun because he'd wanted to play the ukulele forever. But, you know, I just had never really had the time to sit down and teach him. And so every week I would make the next week's videos like I was one week behind and it was so much fun. And I've gone on to um, then this summer. I did um, a circle time online class for teachers. And then I I did another ukulele. I just did the ukulele class again, that level one ukulele class. And, and now on Sunday, I'm going to launch a club and I'm, it's called the keeping it fresh club for teachers. And so I'm thinking like, this might be my new thing. This, I might, I mean, I'm hoping when schools come back on and they're let us back in that we can get that going. But in the meantime, I'm creating a second business and it's, I'm going to stay positive and keep working at it because I know that there's people out there, there's teachers out there who need me to help them bring the joy. Because right now it is hard to be a teacher.
1: Yes. It's so hard to be a teacher and even for parents, you know, because nobody's ever had to do this before, (laughs) or at least not in our time, you know, so it's a whole bunch of shuffling and figuring things out. So I love that you just kind of pivoted and figured it out as you went but, and if this hadn't happened, maybe you wouldn't have figured out the second business.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I've been sitting on this club idea for 10 years. I've been sitting on that ukulele class idea for, I don't know, two years, three years. And that's what I think is really crazy about this is it's been really stressful, you know, thinking about what, what has happened to my current business, but it's also my, I always am looking for the silver lining. I'm always wondering What's the lesson here? And really to me, I believe that the universe has, has given all of us who are in a position to take this opportunity to try something new, to really put ourselves out there and to look back at our, at our life and say, you know, what do we want to be remembered for? And and am, am I doing the thing I want to be remembered for? And if not, why is it out of fear? And I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons that I held back in the past is fear of failure. But if I keep in mind the person who I am working for, whether it's you know, three-year-old Claire who's coming to my music class or you know 40-year-old Pam who lives down in Florida who needs me to give her ideas, that's what my focus is. And when you do that, the fear goes away and the courage to just do something, it's there and it's, it's so important to tap into that.
1: Yeah. And I think there's that old saying, like what you focus on grows. So if you focus on the fear, you know, that's where you're going to just get overwhelmed with fear. Um, But if you're focused on the kid or what, why you're doing it, yeah, that's, that's important and probably very helpful just as far as your mindset goes and not getting stuck in the fear. Yep, absolutely. So you talked about fear of failure and I know that that's, hard thing for a lot of people to get over that. Um, Just the fear of it. They don't even take action. What do you do when you find yourself stuck in fear?
2: Identify it. I want to almost, I almost look at myself from an outsider's perspective. Like I almost have sort of an out of body experience and I recognize, all right, you're feeling this right now. You're, you're feeling this. And I want you to recognize that this is what you want You're gonna feel it, so so know that feeling is gonna come, No, no matter what. It's gonna be right by my side, and just like allowing it to ride with me, and knowing that the only way I can overcome it is to show myself that I can do it. So I've got this quote up here: "The best things happen on the other side of your comfort zone." And I mean, it's front and center at my desk because I have to keep looking at that. Because if I don't, then I will fill my life with regrets and I will look back. And if you look at people on their deathbed, that's one of the biggest things, the regrets, the regrets of the things that they didn't do. And oftentimes it was because they were too afraid to do it. And I think what's, what's, what's worse is to, is to never try. I think, it's, I think it's more courage, courageous to be able to say, I did. And, and that alone can be the win.
0: Whether yes. you didn't
2: fail or you didn't, you won, it's that you did it. So changing really, you know, what you are judging it on, you know, I don't know, Just just doing it, just making the call, just picking up the phone, whatever the result is after on the phone call, it doesn't matter. But it's celebrating the action that you did it. You're taking one step at a time towards reaching those goals that, you know, you came on this earth to do.
1: Yeah. And when do you ever regret something that you tried? Like, usually we don't, you know, if you tried it, you got in the game, you did it, you fail. Okay. At least you did it. Like we usually don't.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I regret, you know, that third glass of wine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, the following morning, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so earlier you mentioned about being able to look for the silver lining. Um, it sounds like you're able to be pretty positive or at least get yourself back on a positive track. Do you have any yeah. sort of like gratitude practice?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So so I have this morning routine that I go through.
2: and. No, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't do it every morning, but um, I've got a list, literally a list. Like, like I kind of think of it as my manager because I'm, I mean, I like to think creative. I like to go all over the place with my thoughts and I need something to center me. And so I have a list of the things that I do. I get up, I drink coffee, I read something inspirational, and then I write down the things that I'm grateful for Or, you know, I might even say like, what's awesome today? What's awesome right now? And then I go through, um, you know, all the things that I want to remind myself about some, you know, affirmations, what's important to me, what I need to make my day run well, what are, what are some of those cornerstone pieces? I need to make sure I exercise because I know that makes me feel good. I know I need to eat. I know I need what's for dinner. So you know, just doing all of those things along with that gratitude piece, it puts me in a place to begin my day ready to go, ready to take it all on because I'm mentally, I'm in a good spot. I'm I'm ready. But I've noticed on the days where I don't go through all that and, you know, like it, sometimes if I'll wake up in the morning and I'll, you know, I, I slept in and boom, it's right off. Like kids need to eat, you know. If, you know, there were school, you know, I have to get out the door and I notice my day is just a whirlwind and I'm, I'm not in control of my day, but when I set the tone at the beginning, going through what I'm grateful for, you know, really focusing on what's important, I feel in control of my day.
1: Yes. And I can relate to you. Like I love doing a morning practice, but I don't always do it, (laughs) but it does make a difference in kind of how the rest of the day tends to go. Yeah. So can you share a habit or a practice that has contributed, contributed to your success?
2: Well, personally or business? You choose. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I would say in business, one of my biggest things that I have done is decided where I wanted to go, whether mostly it's, you know, somewhat short term, 90-ish days, six months, something like that. And then kind of going back and figuring out, well, if that, those are my big goals. What am I going to do every day to achieve them? So I have, uh, for me, I have gone through so many different types of planners. And I am always trying to find like the perfect planner that works really well for me. And I I have to say, I finally found one. And it's, it's the, um, it's called, here it is see if it has its name on it, the focus, full focus planner. So full focus planner. And you know what? I don't use it the way that they want you to use it. Like you're supposed to write every Sunday, all these things and your wins. And I love that idea. And I do it once in a while, but I think for me, what it does is you write down the three daily big three. So you write down the three big things that you want to get done. And then the next thing that I do is on the side there, the the times for the day are written out. And so the night before, when I'm not emotional about my day yet, and I'm more factual, I will write down my schedule because being a business owner, I have no manager to tell me what to do. And so sometimes I'll get off task and I'll just start doing something that it doesn't help me move forward. It's like, it's like a, you know, a top layer task. It's not going to help my business move forward. But when I go back and then I look at that, I'm like, 9 a.m. I need to be answering my emails. Oh, and at, at 10 a.m. I, you know, need to be working on this project. That has helped me so much to stay focused. I, I cannot even begin to tell you. I got so much progress um, in the sense I've started doing that. Is that the
1: John Lee Dumas planner? Is that... No, Michael Hyatt. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of that one, but I haven't tried it yet, so <laughs> I'll yeah. have to give it a try. Yeah, so, that's great. Jocelyn, how often do you read and can you recommend a book and share why I read every night, but I only read fiction at night during the day.
2: If I want to read, uh, like in the morning, I'm okay with reading nonfiction, like personal development business books. But, um, I noticed that that actually inspires me. I just like one book that I love is Brian, um, an author is Brian Tracy. So, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of what the name of that Brian Tracy book is. I read it all the time, but it's like something about self-discipline. And um, so I will literally keep turning and just reading different sections of that book. And it really helps to motivate me because self-discipline is the cornerstone as a business owner to keep pushing yourself forward. So that would be my, um, my business book to recommend. And then the personal book, the fiction book that I would recommend would be, I really like that Kristen Hannah's book. It's called The Nightingale. And I got sort of into this, um, you know, German, French time. I just kept reading all these books about Holocaust. And it's, it's such an incredibly painful time. But I think for me, I just love the, the heroes that come out of that and the way that people are so courageous, and the things that they've gone through that they can come out on the other end. So I just love being a fly on the wall in those books.
1: Yeah. Okay, awesome. I will definitely have to put them in the show notes. And I might follow up with you and ask about the Brian Tracy book if I can't find it. (laughs) Yes, for sure. So let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want number one, you got to know what life you want. You got to
2: be super clear. And then number two, the next thing is you want to send intention out to the world because, you know, we create vibrations and those vibrations, they can be negative or they can be positive. But when we ask the world, you know, we want, this is what I want. This is what I, this is what I want my life to look like, or even say it as if, as if, you know, like right now, I have I have a note up here. I have an amazing online business that grosses X amount serving teachers and families. It's not true right now. But I act as if. And I feel like just by having those actions out there, the universe knows that I'm serious. And so it can send, it can, I can ask for something small, but the universe doesn't know because it just knows I'm asking. And so I feel like putting that intention out there is such a great way And then just also just to continue to remind yourself that you're here for a reason, what's your purpose and what are you going to do every single day to serve others? And in turn, you'll, you'll be taking care of yourself.
1: Yes. So powerful. And I think that putting your intention out there is huge. And like you said, having reminders, because that also helps you to believe it yourself. Like if you keep thinking about it and visualizing it, like it's going to happen, you know, you make it a thing.
2: Yeah. And it's action. I mean, you know, I I think there was definitely time in my life where I would have these different ideas and, you know, business ideas that I wanted to do, but it was in my dreamer phase. So I was just dreaming about it. I never decided like what actions I needed to take. And you know what, the actions sometimes can be so boring and drudgery But you know, that's what you have to go through. You've got to decide what steps you need to take because you can dream all day long. But until you take action, there's nothing.
1: I totally agree with you. Thank you so much. And can you share how we connect with you?
2: Yes, I've got my website is musicallyminded.net. You can find me on Facebook at musicallymindedseattle and on Instagram
1: at musicallymindedkids. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jocelyn. You've been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. Awesome. Thanks for having me. And with that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it. Wasn't Jocelyn such a badass? I really enjoyed hearing her talk. One thing that I really liked or that really resonated with me is when she said, I know what it's like to hate Sundays because you know Mondays are coming. Have you ever felt that way? Or you hate your job or you hate the way that your life is going and it just makes you dread the next day? Something to think about. I also liked how Jocelyn Jocelyn asks herself, what's the next lesson here? Or she said she's always wondering, what's the lesson here? So important. When we're going through hard times, it is hard to see on the other side or hard to get out of the pain or the uncertainty that we are feeling. But consider consider asking yourself, what's the lesson here? And the third thing that I really loved is how Jocelyn said when I asked her about dancing and singing, how you can do that, even if you're not comfortable with it. And I loved, loved, loved Jocelyn's answer. She said, somehow we get this idea that we either belong on the stage or we belong in the audience. So powerful. And then she went on to talk about like race car drivers. Or when you go drive on a daily basis, you don't compare yourself to the race car drivers. So why should you compare your singing or dancing to the professionals on the stage? I thought that was so powerful. I loved that analogy. So if you loved this episode with Jocelyn, please head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review letting us know what you thought of the episode. And then, of course, make sure to screenshot it and send it to me on Instagram at OrdinaryToBadass so that I can properly thank you. Until next week, keep pursuing your badassery.
0: Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.